0: What's up managing with your podcast listeners this is Keon Sovani on a Friday hitting you with some clips from last night's post game podcast so two hours after the game after you and McTeer returned from the burnabout from the Classico we hopped on zoom we broke that game down in its entirety in front of a bunch of patrons live on the call who joined us and we did Q&A at the end there was a live chat flying away talking about the game we broke that strange Classico down to its core every single detail and if you want access to the whole thing, it's over on patreon.com slash We do one weekly Zoom call together with says. We do at least two bonus shows, but, you know, we're aiming for three bonus shows now over on Patreon. So get in on the action and don't miss a beat and get access to the whole podcast and also get access to th- today's mailbag that is going up later tonight. And we look forward to seeing you on the inside in the ever-growing Real Madrid family. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the clip. Let's get it. You know, I was among those journalists who wrote some, I I wrote two pieces about this. Yeah. yeah, We spent Mm -hmm. two podcasts talking about this. And my whole thing was you got to give them a psychological blow. This leg, forget the second leg. They got players coming back. The second leg, you have to give them a heavy defeat. Now derail their confidence for the league. Even if you're not going to come back in the league, just make them think twice about it. Uh, And and try to use this as a catapult to launch yourself psychologically over them. And if you told me before the game that after all of that narrative that I was pushing and other people were pushing that Real Madrid would not register a single shot on target in the Clásico for the first time uh, since, I forget the stat, I actually have it here. Uh, For the first time... Since 2010,
1: the one. 2010 the Mourinho 5 0,
0: no, maybe, maybe, no. yeah. Um, so if you would have told me that before the game, that it would be the first time that Riamjo wouldn't register a single shot in a Classico since 2010 on goal, and then after the game, the whole thing would be Ancelotti saying, We got to repeat this performance in the camp, no. And then Chavi coming out and saying we were dominated. <laughs> what is happening? Like how how did we get to this stage? It it, it doesn't add up to me. I I'm, again, I'm trying to make sense of it all. Why do we start here, Ewan? The starting lineup, um, I was a little bit I, I was I was a little bit surprised that we did get Cruz and Mortar starting together. I was also a little bit surprised that upon seeing that lineup, that we actually were playing an aggressive high line and controlling the ball uh, with that team. I thought we would have been a little bit more conservative. Um, but it turns out, I mean, Barcelona threatened us twice, I think, on the counter attack. So there is that. We didn't really suffer defensively playing that way. It's possible we would have conceded more chances going into a deep block. So that part doesn't bother me as much. Why don't you talk us through the starting lineup and um, if you thought there were any surprisable omissions?
1: Yeah, you hit for me, the surprise was Modric and Cruz. And together, I kind of expected uh, Modric to play. He suspended at the weekend against Betis. So, you know, might as well play him now because he can't play at the weekend. Um, the other players will will play on on Sunday. Cruz uh, was one that for that reason I already thought maybe Cruz gets left out. And then Antoty made some interesting comment in the pre match where he said, you know, by the way, which was kind of unprompted, he said by the way, if Cruz is left out, the reason is because. Um, you know, uh, it would be because we want more energy, that would be the reason. So, well, why would you even mention that cruise might be left out? Why are you already trying to justify that? Um, if you're not about to leave Cruz out, and then <laughs> he started them. So that got that caught me caught me off guard, and then apart from that, I think it was um pretty much as expected, maybe Germany ahead of Camavinga or, or Germany in there somewhere. Um, you know, I wrote about this in, in my free answers, free questions piece. Something just doesn't seem right with Chumeni. I don't think it's a form um, thing. You know, he's not been at his best since the World Cup. But I think the fact that he's still not playing very much, didn't come on to the 74th minute today, I think he isn't 100% physically. There can't be any other reason. So um, that kind of caught me off guard as well. But apart from that, pretty much as expected, the team sheet writes itself just now in defence and in attack. With Rodrigo not 100%, I think it was as we expected to.
0: Like, the, the proof is there. The fact that they didn't register a single shot on target proves that they weren't coming up with good solutions to break this Barca defense. They had a ton of the ball. I would say, like, in the first 20 minutes, there was some momentum that Real Madrid had that Barcelona really had no idea what they were doing. And, and defensively, I thought they really struggled to get their structure together. I think over time, especially after that weird goal they scored where Camavinga loses the ball, the ball bounces off of um, Militao and Nacho like a hundred times and it goes in. After that, it felt like Barca at least regained some kind of defensive structure and defended well for the rest of the game. I, it was surprising to me that Barca defended like that. It felt like we were playing like against, uh, I don't know, Akadi's low block for this game. What well, was even more surprising that, cause I, I actually was like, you know what, Xavi respect. I always said that you have no plan B. You don't you you have to play one way, and now you, you got it going into uh Jose Mourinho low block. But then double surprise, Chavi came out and totally took the credit away from himself where he was like, that wasn't the plan. We were getting dominated. We didn't want to defend. Like we just had to defend because we had no idea how to get the ball from Real Madrid. That was another twist in this entire entire thing. Um, I gotta say, like, it was su- just surprising the way this game unfolded, and I think somewhat troubling that. We couldn't really find a solution to break their low block. And I'm, to be honest, I'm not saying it's easy. A lot of people are like, well, this is just you guys got to come up with some more clever ways than giving the ball to Vinicius or asking Carvajal to cross 300 times in the box and hoping something happens. It's not going to work. It is not easy defending low blocks. I mean, Barcelona had 7 to, to 11 players in the box this entire game. It was very strange to see them play like that. And it's not easy to break down, but I do think when you this fast and fast forward to the subs for a second, we'll go all over the place. But to me, Sabio's in this game made a lot of sense when, you know, cause he has the verticality, he has the energy and he has at least gives you some unpredictability and vision in the box and some ability to link up outside the box and also win the ball. His presence would have made more sense than true many in this game, because you weren't really suffering transition attacks. Um, so that was that was a weird one. But what was your, I guess, assessment of the, the, the first half and how that went for both sides?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you say, Real Madrid started, you could tell from, they were on it from the off. You could really tell that, you know, this was a Barcelona team that even if Chappie wasn't taking credit for um, <laughs> uh, playing the caddy style, they, uh, whether by design or because of the absences, they, they did have to sit back and they looked a bit um, more comfortable than I thought they might. Um, especially Marcus Alonso coming in for Christensen that was more of a late um, absentee that we didn't really know about until today Um, I thought that's a weakness Alonso has not had um, many good performances there at centre-back he looked shaky in those first 20 minutes but as you say, pretty much about the time when they got the goal I think that also gave them a bit more belief and confidence You know, 20 minutes getting overrun at the Bernabeu looking up front and seeing Rafinha who's losing every ball and Ferran Torres who's losing every ball doesn't give you much hope but when you have a goal to cling on to that suddenly changes everything not not just for we could get a one-nil win but okay our objective was probably to get a draw <laughs> now we can concede one goal <laughs> and get that so I think mean, that gave them an extra belief to be like okay uh, it was tough but now we've got only three quarters of the game left let's go and from there the defense was really good and this was Chavi's main point in the in the press conference you know that they defended so well the back four. He went across all four of the players, talked about their uh, what they were good at, you know. <laughs> he was described mall, maul, mall, mall, mall Ben. <laughs> you know, you don't need to speak Catalan to know how many uh, how well he thought they did there. Um, you know, Alonso really stood out. Araujo just erased himself and Vinicius. That was just you take them both off the board. Um, and from there, you know, Real Madrid did lack like solutions all season has been give the ball to Vinicius. If it doesn't work, give it to him again. And when you have a player like Araujo who just erases him, or, you know, some people might say, well, you know, Vinicius got the byline a few times. I think Araujo ushers him there. That's his plan. He ushers him to the byline, lets him put in cross and practice for Testegen, which we saw a million, a million times today. Little low crosses from Vinicius, cutting back from the byline, Testegen just picking those up easy. So I would say Vinicius was... A race from this game, which is kind of normal. You've got a Rajo, he's the one put, uh, right back who's only been able to stop, the only right back, I should say, who's been able to stop him in what we've seen the last couple of years. But that is when you need to have other solutions other than Vinicius, and there just weren't any. Like you say, Ceballos maybe could have been, uh, Rodrigo sometimes can do something from the right. Remember, he's not 100% fit. It was just disappointing that um, they, they couldn't come up with something else to target, you know, Marcos Alonso to target. Baldi, who's had a really good game, but it's still inexperienced, not the best in the air. They they didn't do that.
0: Well, that I think so. Everything that you just said, I think, opens up an entirely fa- uh, different fascinating discussion because you know Venizis versus Araujo. Like I'm not surprised that Araujo had a great game. I think he's a fantastic defender. I push back on a little bit in saying that he's the only right back that has stopped Vinicius. I think there's been plenty. I mean, not stop. I don't know if stop is the right word, but there's been a lot of right backs who have defended him well i mean reese james uh in recent memory was awesome until he got injured uh and then christensen was on the right back i can't remember the exact order of how that happened but you know Mm -hmm. that was one you know then there's been right backs who have defended him well um like like the fresnetas um you know
1: Voice could... one that comes to mind. is like a good the one. B- There's been stream. others that are just yeah. kind of
0: slipping in my mind right now. But I guess my, yeah. so much. I'm more meant like...
1: that not, not so much defend them well, but more like erase. Like that, that's not an option, really. Like, you, you know, erase um, himself and erase Vinicius. Like, I've never quite seen it like that, where they both, it's basically 10 against 10, um, when you have that Vinicius around hope. Real Madrid keep going back to it even though it means we get to keep watching it time and time again which to me is fascinating um that joke
0: well I think that's that's frustrating because Ancelotti has to know this going into this game that this is going to be something that he like I wrote about this yesterday we know that like even like when Araujo defends Vinicius really well there's usually one or two moments Vinicius will get past him and they're there are kind of consequential moments in the game that that's all it takes. But to me that Carlo's job is to increase the volume of chances that Vinicius can get behind that. And that is not going to be dependent on giving the ball to him and letting him try a million times. How you're going to do that is to free up space for him. And this is to me, why in a lot of ways the Rodrigo was sub sub was delayed. Cause Lucas and I were talking about this before, or maybe it was Jose and I were talking about this before the game that Rodrigo's presence in the game like this would help Vinicius a lot because Rodrigo is not a stationary right winger. Fede will stay on the right uh, or or drift centrally at best. Rodrigo comes over to the left a lot and just drags players away for Vinicius and helps th- those three together help overload that left side. And I think that's one thing you would have gotten with Rodrigo if he had come in earlier. Um, you know, I, I just don't like I, I think in a lot of ways, when Carlos says after the game that we we just have to repeat this performance. No, I think I think in a lot of ways he's overrating Riam performance when he says that. I think yeah. I think he has to find better. I think he has to be better. I think he has to find better solutions than um the solutions we had. And in some ways, I think it's you know, we talked about taking the game to Barça and, and taking a high and going into a high line. It almost seemed like it was the other extreme version of of what were what we saw like in the super cup of sitting back. It was the other extreme version. And in some ways, um, it closed Barça to a point where there was no open space left. And I wonder if like you almost want to open up the game a little bit more i it's it's an interesting tactical juggle mm-hmm. I find. Uh, again, I know a lot of people are upset with Ancelotti. i it's hard to find solutions sometimes against a low block that defense well. But I do think that he needed to do a better job of finding ways to create space and drag defenders away. And another thing that, you know, again, we have to mention in a game like this, we can criticize the midfield and the attack. We get no offensive production from our fullbacks at all. Um, Carvajal is just not that reliable player he was years ago. Nacho, God bless him, and he actually tried to make some overloads in this game. He's not that type of wing back. Not having production from the fullbacks really hurts us in games like this, especially where you need that creative outlet. Like, imagine if you had Marcelo and Vinicius, right, on the left side today to 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 pull Araujo around a little bit. Yeah. You just didn't have that.
1: Because it, it almost happened a couple of times where the only time, especially in the first half, where you thought, okay, hang on. Uh, there might be an opening here, was when Real Madrid broke, got forward quickly, Nacho has the ball, and Araujo finds himself. They've managed to switch, and Araujo is up against Nacho. And you could almost see, as Nacho standing there preparing to do something, Araujo's there waiting for him to do something. You could almost see from, <laughs> as high up as the press boxes, you could almost see the panic in Araujo's face, like, ah, crap, I'm not supposed to be on Nacho. Where's Vinicius? And that happened two or three times, especially in the first mm-hmm. half, where Nacho, Got one on one with Araujo, who looked panicked to find out where Vinicius was, but they never quite managed to exploit that because it's natural. But like you say, imagine that's a different fullback. Araujo can't, you know, marshal those two um, himself, and you know, when it is natural, he can, you know, probably win it off natural. If not, you know, you know, he's quick enough to get to wherever natural puts it. So you're right; the fullbacks is is a problem, but. um. Even with those fullbacks, you know you've had those fullbacks all season. You know what you've got. Um, you know, even when Mondi was there, it's not like that was much better. So I still don't think that's um, that justifies the lack of um, creativity or finding other options uh, against the low block because this isn't a new problem. And uh, you know, it's not like you have two elite attacking fullbacks and they were missing for one game and you struggle. No, this is we've seen this time and time again. And um, yeah, I think this game just opens a wide debate to um, how the Real Madrid attack low blocks and weirdly it comes uh, this debate from from a Clasico against uh, you know Chavez Barcelona.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's so it's a little bit surreal to see it that way. I mean, the yeah the fullback production is nothing new. The lack of it, um, you know, Jamal in the chat is making the point that we didn't test Balde or Marcos Alonso. That was a left back and center back pairing yeah. on that side. Um, I mean, we don't have a fullback that can attack them. Like that's the thing. We don't have a dribbler on the right side either. We don't have a line breaker on that side. I Kami- mean, Carvajal now his game is essentially uh, his entire offensive game is get the ball and do a diagonal cross. That's that's the that's basically yeah. the ceiling of his offense at this stage of his career. That's all he can do. Yeah.
1: Uh, he and that's just deeper and deeper.
0: Yeah, and it's just too predictable. Every now and then, it's gonna create something good like it did against manchester city at the end of that game um but you know (laughs) it's not a reliable source of offense i don't think and so that that, that's something i just we we know this it's not a secret it's it's the attacking ability of the fullbacks is something that needs to be addressed moving forward and these are the games when when it really hurts you um what did you think of Kamavinga's performance in this game
1: so I like having in this game, and I've seen a, some sort of mixed uh, reactions to it. But I think he was the one that kind of made the game the way it was in this, in the positive sense for Madrid. He was winning the ball back really well. Those clean tackles you talk about uh, all the time made so many of them. Wins the ball back whenever Barcelona even tried to transition. Gets on the front foot, is doing something forward. Okay he loses the ball a little bit more than you would like for someone in that position. Obviously, that's uh, what leads to the Barcelona, the Barcelona goal. But I think his energy and intensity, which that's been the word in, in the debate about who starts midfield, energy, that's the word that's, that keeps coming up. He had that energy and he was the one driving the team forward to, to the final four, to the Barcelona box. And from there, that's where it kind of stalled. But I don't think it's Camavinga's job uh, to find out how to unpick a low block in the final third, especially when he's playing in the sixth row. So I think he did his job of bring the up, use your energy, get Barcelona, pin back, bring the team with you and position the team outside the Barcelona box. And from there, that's when you expect your Modric, Cruz, Bios, if you were on the wingers, Benzema dropping deep to do something that unblocks that. So I can't blame Camavinga for the... The lack of attacking output, and I think you know defensively. I mean, you know, apart from the mistake, I thought he was perfect at cleaning up and, and launching a new attack. What did you think? Were you on the pro or anti Camavinga? Because I've seen both for this game. I mean, not in general.
0: Um, I thought I was. I thought it was a good performance, I, which I think was unfortunately tainted by the giveaway. And I, no. and I think it's unfortunate that we tend to analyze and, and we, we really remember the bad stuff under a microscope because they can, the bad stuff is so consequential, and uh, that's just how it is. Uh, but I thought, you know, like up until that point, like I was full of a praise for him. He was loose in that possession in possession that moment. He was also loose in possession on another moment in the second half where Barcelona then broke, but, uh, broke free, and then he sprinted and won the ball back and made, made up for his mistake. Overall, I thought his tackling was really good. Uh, I thought he was making good decisions on the ball. Sometimes it wasn't perfect, but, you know, he was involved. He was not shy. And I think overall, I thought he was he was pretty good. Uh, but again, the problem was that he made a, a very consequential mistake. And I think people will remember that stuff. And again, he he made another bad mistake in the second half, which he made up for himself. The other thing is his position, I thought, was, Some people, I think, misinterpreted it. I didn't see it as a six. I thought Cruz was a six in this game. I know a lot of people said, "Okay, Kamavinga's the six, and he should play there. He shouldn't play there." Whatever debate on that is is perpetual. I thought Cruz was a deeper player today, and Kamavinga and Mortage were getting up the pitch more. At best, it was a double pivot with Kamavinga and Cruz dropping in that zone. But I don't think he was in a single pivot today, and. It was very interesting to see that Kamavinga and Modic were leading the press in that first half. That that tsunami of pressing we had in the first 20 minutes, they were leading that, and Cruz was dropping back. Again, I thought Cruz was pretty good. I mean, uh, Kamavinga was pretty good, and unfortunately, just had a moment that really popped, and and that was the margin of error today. But you look at halftime, you're like, okay, let's regroup, let's figure out what's going wrong, and come back. And there was mm-hmm. nothing in the second half. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Just a lot of passing. Nothing. Not, there was no actual tangible improvement. Like, okay, we did this better. Now we increase our chances in scoring. Basically, we just kept doing what we were trying to do. And Barca just went into a deeper and deeper defensive block. Um, here's, I'll add some more criticism to this. Um, like, you're crossing a million times in this game. Again, Carvajal, get the ball to Carvajal, cross in the box. It could have it could have continued for another five days. This game just extend the game. It Barca would have cleared every single cross. But if you're gonna do that, yeah. why bring in Alvaro in minute eighty four and not minute sixty yeah. four? So give give the another towering presence in the box to help Benzema and Milita and Rudiger on set pieces. That's one thing. Um Cruz coming out in minute seventy-four, which I don't I don't even think Cruz in a vacuum was bad. I mean, there's nothing really for him to be bad about. He he played as a six in a game where the there was no real threat to 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 punish him defensively. And he was part of the players who were keeping the ball. I, I don't really have any criticism of him in a vacuum, but um too many comes in the 74th minute. Again, I think this is a this is a sub you make in the 60th minute earlier, and it's a bios that you bring in. For more verticality and yeah. more dribbling and more line breaking, that that's another one.
1: Because that whole thing was that whole sub was was a little bit strange and kind of threw Real Madrid off, I think, for five minutes. Because basically you had, um, or, I mean, sorry, the Rodrigo one. Even the Rodrigo comes in, he goes where Valverde was. Valverde drops into midfield where Camavinga was. Camavinga moves a bit more left, and he's, um, you know, filling in more where Nacho was. Was Nacho came off for. Rodrigo, and it was one of these kind of subs that kind of in theory, everybody knows how to play these positions, but you're you're changing it up in the middle of a game. And we spoke about this actually after the derby when Ancelotti changed the entire midfield at once, mm-hmm. and we didn't quite see if that back would have backfired or not because um I to go had the red card like a minute later. So you know, um scientific experiment had you know, there's different variables that explain what happened. With this one, it's you know, I think. The versatility of the players, like Valverde, like Camavinga, like Nacho. That's great, but I don't think you want to keep moving these pieces around in the middle of the game so much. We're criticising him, to be fair, for not trying different things. He's trying something there. He's trying to move people around the chessboard to try and find different angles. I get it. But when you have Sabio's there, which is just a lot more of a like-for-like, simple substitution, you only have to change one player. That would have made much more sense to me, even at the time of the Rodrigo change.
0: Essentially, the whole premise of breaking a low block and how you do it is you have to try to get defenders dragged out of their position. You do that through runs off the ball. You do that through overloads. And you do that through a lot of of runs with your fullbacks and quick switching. To like, it's just quick movement, quick passing, and runs all over the field. That and, and unpredictable runs to drag people out of space. When when you have Carvajal as your right back and Nacho as your left back, it's it's a kind of bit of a crutch in doing that exact thing. And that's a, like I, I mean we didn't talk about this, union, but there was that period where Kamaving actually played left back in this game. I actually think like of all games for Kamaving to play left back and a game like this, it does make sense because you're not getting tested too much defensively in transition and you can get away with gambling at putting Kamaving up the field to help in that scenario. I don't really remember many noteworthy moments of him getting in the final third, but, um, but you know, maybe they were there and I just missed them, but, uh, You know what, like you need, and I'm not saying he is the solution at all, but you need the the profile of like a Vinicius Tobias in games like this. And I have criticisms of Vinicius Tobias. I'm not saying he's ready or not. I'm just saying, because like I I tweeted about this after the last Castilla game or the UEFA Youth League game, which was I think yesterday. Um, He's kind of like, he is in, in some ways like his namesake, Vinicius Jr., where every time he gets the ball, he has to just dribble. Like I don't care, like there's eight players, one player who's and where he is, and he has to kind of like he just always dribbles, and that can often be he dribbles into trouble, but sometimes he also gets past his man, he dribbles, gets into the box. You need someone of that profile, I think, in games like this. Um, and again, I I just don't think the the solution of breaking the low block was not to keep feeding the cop the ball to Carvajal from a diagonal position and getting him to pump diagonal crosses to the box. I think. Again, it's a, that needs to be addressed more, in my opinion, more so than backup striker, more so than uh, right wing. The, it's the wing back slot right back. We got Fran Garcia coming in the summer, but right back, you need a profile that can help you in games like this. It needs to be addressed.